to preach. And I'll tell you, the Holy Ghost began to fall. Hallelujah. And there were people who came running to give their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hello, and welcome back to Naked Pentecostalism. Here we're going to go into a little bit of a theology topic. Usually I approach Pentecostalism from the aspect of uh, the negative social applications that are inherent to that belief system. But we're going to take an episode and just very briefly explain why Pentecostalism is incorrect from a purely Christian theological position. And so even if someone does assume that a God exists and they assume the Bible is uh, the word of that particular deity, then we can still show from that scripture that Pentecostalism is wrong. So here is some really good uh, points that we're going to bring out. Just jump right into it. So right off the bat, let's, let's go ahead and we will assume that the events described in the Acts of the Apostles are, in fact, correct and real. And so we will say, yes, the speaking in tongues experience was, in fact, a real event. And so when we examine the event in Acts chapter 2, it's very plain that these were actually uh, understandable languages. That's No one is disputing that. There were at least a dozen different languages represented just on that upper room uh, event in Acts 2. So clearly, and again, let's go over some hermeneutics. There is something called the law of first mention. When you're interpreting the Bible verses, there's certain guidelines you have to go by so as you're not just making stuff up however you feel like. And so when, when we say the law of first mention, it just says, hey, the first time something is defined in Scripture, we have to assume that it maintains that same definition from that point forward unless there is very specific reasons to think that that has changed. And so if, if we see an event in Acts 2 where speaking in tongues clearly indicates, hey, um, people are speaking in languages they do not normally speak, then that's what we have to go by, and we say that's the definition. So in Acts 2, we definitely have this uh, this event where languages are spoken by people that do not actually understand that language, but other people understand it that's, that are in the vicinity, and that's what sets the stage. And so when we go to 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14, where Paul establishes rules for the use of tongues, there is no indication that that gift of tongues spoken about in 1 Corinthians is any different from tongues in Acts 2. They're literally the same the same uh, gift of the Spirit. So some Pentecostals get around this because they don't like the restrictions that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 14, and they come up with this concept of there's the public language uh, version where you do speak a different language entirely, and then there's the private prayer language where you're edifying yourself solely, you know, you're speaking entirely on your own, no one needs to hear it, no one needs to interpret it. And this is something that was literally just created by the early Pentecostal leaders, strictly because they could not uh, convince everybody 
that, oh, you're speaking a foreign language, there's just no one actually around to interpret it. Not everyone bought that. So they had to come up with this other option to to provide a sort of uh, smokescreen, you know, to say, hey, look, this kind of stuff is going on and, and there's there's a biblical reason for it, even when technically it was taught against. So when you go into a modern Pentecostal church, you know, modern, I mean, anytime in the last 50 years, you have people just babbling. They're just saying whatever they feel like. They're, they're saying whatever pops into their head. It's by no means an intelligible language, which is clearly delineated in the New Testament. It has to be a language understood by another human. And so what we have to ask ourselves is, if this is a an additional language of some type, as, as some Pentecostals say, a language of angels, a language of um, a heavenly language of some type, then it's a very simplistic language at at the least and certainly it's it's one that sounds suspiciously like gibberish and again this is why first corinthians 12 13 14 deals with this issue and it says hey listen if, if anyone's going to speak in tongues it needs to be at most two or three people and even if there's two or three people they have to have interpretation or they must keep silent the purpose being is that unbelievers walk in, they hear a bunch of people babbling, it's just going to scare them, drive them away. It does not benefit anybody. And ultimately, Pentecostals push people to just have this speak in tongues experience because it's this public event that provides a rite of passage more than anything. It's this, hey, everybody check this out, this person did it. And that person is, you know, they're all in this emotional state and they're like, it's their moment of acceptance into the group. That's really what it is. But getting back to 1 Corinthians, um, the definition of the word tongue or tongues in the original Greek, anywhere it's used in the New Testament, always refers to a language. And this is reiterated in 1 Corinthians 14, 20-22. Paul says... <coughs> There's this, um, he does not have any indication in this that these types of tongues, uh, that only some types of languages and some aren't. They're all across the board the same. They're all identical. They're all some kind of language. And they have to be interpreted by someone present. So in 1 Corinthians 14, 28, he says, if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent. He must speak to himself and to God. Now, some people have twisted this around and say, you know, you're allowed. Clearly, this says you're allowed to have this conversation just to yourself and God. And this is a private prayer language. But the context of the whole thing was that it doesn't benefit anyone. The whole point of the gift of tongues was to allow people that did not speak your language to hear what you were saying and to hear the gospel and this is completely against that it, it it's a selfish thing really um and we have to we have to raise the point that if there was if there was this private prayer language that allowed for speaking in tongues purely between one christian and uh their 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 deity whoever they choose that to be that was used to edify that Christian, then this would be something that would be important, and it would be explained clearly. 
the use would be circumscribed as a particular um, gift of tongues in the church. This would be something that would be delineated clearly in Scripture, and we do not find that anywhere. It's, it's the only indication we have of any kind of gift of tongues was the same gift of tongues used in Acts 2. There is no separation of two different gifts. That's just not what we find. And this is, unfortunately, something we have to reiterate. You know, this is an invention of the early Pentecostal ministers. This, this has no theological basis. They came up with this just to allow people to do whatever they wanted and think that they were being spiritual when they really aren't. And in context, again, we have to say, we have to examine all the different parts of the New Testament where tongues is mentioned. And so this is another mistake that Pentecostalism uh, really, I think one of the biggest mistakes they make is this teaching that speaking in tongues is completely essential. It cannot be an option to a Christian. Like, this is something that's that's really reinforced all the time. But Paul very plainly states, 1 Corinthians 14, 29, he makes the case, look, some people are given the gift of prophecy. To some people, they're given the gift of tongues. Some people are given the gift of healing. This is something that's divvied up. And once again, there is no mention of a separate gift. When he says, he's asking the question rhetorically, you know, do all speak with tongues? There is no indication that he's speaking about some other gift than was um, mentioned in Acts 2. It's literally the same thing. And so when he says, not everyone's going to be a healer, not everyone's going to be a prophet, not everyone's going to speak in tongues, then that's pretty straightforward that, you know, this is not going to be the way it's going to go. Now, some Christians, again, some Pentecostalism, they misuse 1 Corinthians 14, 5, where it says, Paul says, I, I would that ye all spake with tongues. And the fact is, this would contradict what he said in 1429. So the real issue is that he we have to look at context again for each verse. We can't just pick and choose what we want. We have to say, how do these make sense altogether? He's just saying the exercise of spiritual gifts should be done correctly. And this is reiterated several times in 1 Corinthians. He reiterates order. He reiterates that things need to be controlled. They can't be just anybody doing whatever they want. Um, and so, you know, Paul has, has stated that, uh, I think at some point he mentions that he was celibate. And we then look at, you know, 1 Corinthians 7-7, seven, seven, and he's, he's saying, I would that all men were even as I myself. Well, clearly, nobody is teaching that Christians should be celibate, except for the Catholics, but... Pentecostals completely ignore this passage in 1 Corinthians 7, 7, you know, where it, it, on its face, it seems that Paul is indicating that celibacy is desirable and something that should be sought after. But they don't even think about that. That's not taught, and that's not even brought up in a Pentecostal church. And yet they'll take this other verse completely out of context and say, that is the law, you know, everyone's going to speak in tongues. So this, the inconsistency of the teaching is a red flag that says they don't understand scripture. They don't understand how to apply 
context and how to break things down in such a way that it's going to make sense. And so this this whole teaching of speaking in tongues being essential for every believer, that you have to have the exact same experience in the book of Acts 2, which clearly throughout the New Testament there's a there's a rolling change in how people were saved and and that's very plain if you really read that read those books and do whatever and you follow the correct interpretational laws then yes it's very clear that no believers stop speaking in tongues at a particular point in the new testament so we can look at this concept of cessation that tongues were a sign to the unbelieving Jews, and that's their purpose. That was the goal that was accomplished. And once the New Testament church was established, that's it. The The experience was opened up to the Gentiles, and that was it. It was done. And this is reiterated, and it's completely ignored by most Pentecostals these days. But he said, um, again, this is Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, 20-22, Um in the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. And yet for all that they will not hear me, saith the Lord. Whatever wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them that believe. It's an interesting point there that he says tongues are a sign not to them that believe, and yet the Pentecostals completely have that backwards. And they look at tongues as this has to be a sign to prove to people that believe that these people have the real experience. It's, it's, they're getting it completely wrong. Um, part, of, part of the reason that 1 Corinthians was written was that spiritual gifts were being abused and they were, being, um, they were, they were not using the gifts in a good fashion, in a, in a constructive fashion. So... The prophecy in Isaiah 28, 11 through 12 was directed to the Jews, where it says, with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, speaking of the Jews. And this miraculous experience was a sign. And this is because throughout the Old Testament, God always dealt with the Jews with signs, wonders, miracles, and things were very visible. And we have to think of tongues in the context of of the Jews, because this was how they were dealt with, so to speak. Um, and once the Jews were blended in, and it wasn't like once the Jews more or less rejected this um, Messiah and they rejected the New Testament church, then it was opened up to the Gentiles and there was no need anymore for the signs because this was no longer directed solely at the Jews. And in 1 Corinthians 13, this concept of cessation is hinted at. It says, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Again, tongues is always referring to language. It's always referring to spoken word. And there's a consistent uniform. Um, it never changes a definition or what it's referring to. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect, then that which is in part shall be done away. So this is speaking about there's revelatory gifts, prophecy, knowledge, tongues. 
gifts that allow you to go beyond what you have available to you. And it was not a course that knowledge would cease, and that's kind of silly, but the gift of knowledge. It's not that language would cease, but the gift of language, the gift of speaking in a language or speaking in tongues. And so the question we have to ask is, when will these cease? And this is the primary debate, and Pentecostals throw out, you know, this is going to happen in the tribulation, at the end of the world, you know, when tongues will cease. But we have other clues. Um, the passage indicates they will cease in two stages. Um, the gift of tongues is treated separately from the gifts of prophecy and knowledge. <coughs> so we have to also look at historically or chronologically what occurs in the New Testament. And so Acts 19 is the, the very last time we see any reference to speaking in tongues. Acts 19, that's it. That is the last time that it's mentioned. You would think if it was so critical and so necessary, it should be referenced in later verses. Um, you know, Revelation was written somewhere around AD 95, 96. It, it's many, many decades after these other books were written. And there is no mention of, of anything about speaking in tongues. It's just not even mentioned. So we have to say... There's a dividing line. It could have been AD 45, AD 50, it could have been later, but somewhere between when Acts 19 was written and the later books were written, this gift simply ceased. And people just, Pentecostals do not grasp this concept of cessation because they do not want to believe it. They, they are clinging to this idea that they can just babble on and babble on on their own, you know, making it up as they go, uh, and it's fallacious. It's simply not accurate in terms of biblical uh, interpretation. So another area that we want to focus on here is something from personal experience I, I've seen happen, and, and that is Pentecostals look at tongues as this method by which a message is communicated from God to the congregation or a particular person. This is what they call tongues and interpretation. So a person speaks in tongues, it's very loud, it, it goes on for maybe a minute or so, and then someone will speak up and interpret the message. I've seen this a few times. It's more common in some circles. But we're going to look at how this is actually flagrantly against Scripture. In, in Acts 2.11, it says, We do hear them speak in our tongues, or our languages, the wonderful works of God. So the, the messages, or the phrases, the words being spoken by the people in the upper room were, in fact, simply describing the various um, miraculous works of Jehovah. There was no instruction to the unbelievers or to the other believers there uh, when there was any message spoken to the unbelievers. It came from Peter. It did not come from the tongues. And so here's where they go way off track. Pentecostalism can be destroyed with this one argument, really. There's a famous preacher who's uh, a former Pentecostal. His name is Fernand Legrand. And there's a quote from his book here. It's all about speaking in tongues. He describes where he kind of um, directly confronted people on this. So quoting, After more than 30 years of close contact with these churches, after having accepted some of their ideas, 
I have been forced to admit there is a glaring disconcordance, discordance with the word of God on this point. First of all, capitulated before the authority of the scriptures. I then proceeded to verify for myself what was being taught and practiced on several occasions, talking to people who were deeply anchored in their convictions. I asked the question, when tongues are interpreted in your assembly, what is the context of the message? I did not inquire because I did not know the answer, but I wanted to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, so leaving no place for ambiguity. Without exception, the replies always confirmed what I'd already observed. It was a word of encouragement or prophecy or exhortation or even of evangelization. Quite clearly, these were addressed to those present or to men, therefore in complete contradiction with the Holy Spirit, who said just the opposite, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. So, uh, one of my friends, an enthusiastic pastor, invited me for a gospel campaign in his church. He told me about a lady who, in a private talk with him, had spoken in tongues. In what she said, he explained, I discerned a message for myself. The opportunity was ideal. I simply asked him, how do you reconcile the idea of a message addressed to you personally with the biblical statement that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God? Well, you're not God. It was like hitting him over the head. He was totally speechless. He had just discovered a text he had never seen before, or that he had not taken to examine. And again, that's Fernand Legrand, All About Speaking in Tongues, page 12 to 14. So there's two different areas of scripture where anytime tongues is used and the words are interpreted and uh, intelligible by the people present, both of these times, people are not being addressed. Let me say that again. People are understanding the words, but they are not being spoken to. So this concept of we're going to interpret these words, and it's a message directly from God being spoken in tongues for some reason, and then someone else interprets it, this is completely made up. It's, it's, it's a process and experience that is entirely false and... Uh, let's just say it would be it would be heretical in, in some circles, and certainly that's what Fernand Legrand is saying. This whole concept of we're going to interpret the message it just it just doesn't it doesn't add up to scripture. So what Pentecostals have to do is they have to choose between I'm going to follow my experience, what I feel, my emotions, or I can follow what the Bible actually says. And nine times out of ten, they always choose. Stick with the experience, which is simply simply wrong. But this is where the UPC and Pentecostalism is a cult. And that's when you disregard reason and you choose to simply follow after what you feel, what you want. And that's the end of it. Tragic. But this is unfortunately human nature. They do what they want. Anyway, guys, uh, that's all I really had for today. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And feel free to check out my YouTube channel. You can look up uh, it's Isaac Coverstone on Google. Feel free to check out the blog if you're listening to the podcast. Great. There's also a Teespring that I'm having trouble getting it to show up on the search. But I'm going to put a link in the YouTube channel. So bounce over there and click. Yeah, write me an email, drop a comment if you want to hear other episodes and other topics, but that is all. Have a great one. Oh, you can say it better than that. Say it again. Amen. All right, listen to the question now. Can God deliver a dope addict? Yeah.
again. Say now. 